Thanks for listening to this podcast from Walks Around Britain. For more information, our terms of use and to click through to see the show notes on our blog with photographs, videos and links to related sites, please visit walksaroundbritain.co.uk. Twenty-fifth edition of the Walks Around Britain podcast, photographer Mark Gilligan goes wild camping for the first time, and all of those things that you do outside of the normal boundaries of home life are a greater, I think, bonding. Julie Bradbury on family camping and the great outdoors. Hello, and you're very welcome to the twenty-fifth edition of the Walks Around Britain podcast. I'm Andrew White and I'm your walking guide to the next 20 minutes or so of walking and outdoor chat here on the podcast. Now if you'd like to find out more information about our walks, our videos and what we do generally, you can find out more on our website walksaroundbutton.co.uk. Now going out for a long walk is a great feeling, but often on the way back I think how fantastic it would be to be able to spend out more time on the hills. And one way of maximising your time in the great outdoors is to wild camp. That's to take a lightweight tent and all your supplies and camp out away from everybody else. And that's exactly what photographer Mark Gilligan decided to do for the first time. Not in June, but in November. Okay, so it's the 3rd of November. Um, You can probably hear it's raining. I'm in the Western Fells with my good friend and walking companion David Powell-Thompson. And, uh, well, we're going to do a little bit of wild camping. And uh, for me, personally, it's, uh, it's a first. I've camped many times over the years, but not wild camping. So we've come out today, and uh, although it was glorious first thing this morning, it's not now. So uh, tents are both pitched. Uh, everything is fine, other than the weather. And David is just crouching outside in the doorway. And... As I mentioned, this is my first time, but David, you've been wild camping many times, haven't you? For years and years and years, yeah, since what? I was a teenager. That's a quite a while ago. <laughs> so what for you is the, is the appeal of wild camping? <laughs> you can get rid of your neighbours. <laughs> you, you don't have to put up with somebody snoring in the next tent. You don't have to put up with kids screaming and doing, and you don't have to put up with somebody knocking you tent door at five o'clock in the morning demanding huge amounts of money <laughs> well I, I don't know what sort of neighborhood you live in but that's not quite the norm for me what what do you like to get out of of wild camping what is it that you particularly enjoy oh it's just the freedom to be out isn't it just the freedom to be among the hills high among the hills rather than not on a campsite on a valley floor so that, that's that's it you're you're, you're out and it's in the name, isn't it? It's what it says on the tin. It's wild camping. It's wild, and that's the beauty of it. What about the views? Yeah, that's always that's part of being in the wilderness, isn't it? Just to get the views, even if on a claggy day like today when you can't see many summits. But uh, 
I know where they are and I know what they look like, so it's pretty good. Yeah. For me, um, I, I think I have to to take some inspiration from you and I both worked with with Terry Abram over the past couple of years and to see what Terry managed to do and to be able to to be out there and to witness some of nature's finest moments for me has been the inspiration and although I can't see me doing this every two minutes hopefully if this is a, a good experience then it, it's something that I, I would want to to, to carry on what, what are the favourite areas that, that you have been involved with that you've particularly gone back to time and time again well, it's always the western fells because they are the quietest the far eastern fells are quiet as well but it's the western fells for me yeah. it's close to home anyway so that's the best bit and I know them so well so I know where the good springs are where the flat ground is well, I know we can put dent pegs in without hitting a rock. <laughs> you mean like I've already seemed to have found on a regular basis? You found all the rocks around here today. Yes, yes, it would appear so. Okay, so it's not the best at the moment. Um, what it's I'll not do... bad. It could be an awful lot worse. Well, I've, well, <laughs> I've woken up with three inches of snow on the tent before today, so yes. you well, know, that's not. Well, the forecast for tomorrow morning is very bright and frosty, and, and I'm hoping that's the case because. Personally, as a, as a photographer, that's really what I, I, I'm after, as you can appreciate. The experience as well, you know, I want to write about this. And, uh, I mean, I have to be <laughs> grateful for all you see here has been provided very well for me by, by Berghaus and Trekker Tent and Ellis Brigham. And I'm going to take my first drink shortly with uh, the old Sawyer straws and... Uh, and of course, this tent's put together using pacer poles, so it, it, I really am grateful for everybody who's been very helpful in, in helping me to, to be able to put this together. So, anyway, I think what we'll do now is we'll uh, shut down and uh, just hopefully wait until this, this abates. Well, it's now quarter past nine and. Uh, it's still raining outside. I mean, for the past few hours, went for a wander. Uh, dark, as you can imagine. Not brilliant. The uh, Petzl light was fantastic, as they are. It's very boggy. Filled up with water. And uh, I've answered one or two emails, done a bit of writing uh, on the iPad. And I'm basically settling down for the night. It, the forecast is good. For tomorrow morning although <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be raining as much as it is and has been for most of this evening so hopefully when I wake up tomorrow morning there'll be a bit of a frost and go out there and try and get a few pictures so I shall bid you all good night it's uh, quarter past nine now um, I don't want you to think I've had a lion. Um, extremely windy night. Um, David and I are just about to pack up camp, and uh, that moon was a bit bright, wasn't it? It was a wonderful moon. Yeah, I got up about half past four, your usual call of nature, and um, the moon was just setting down over the Irish Sea. So it just looked absolutely spectacular. It really did. The clouds had actually dispersed. There was very few clouds in the sky, and this 
magic moon. You could have actually walked anywhere around here yeah. and, uh, and not needed a head torch or anything because you could see absolutely everything. Yeah. Spectacular. Well, uh, it, it was that bright in the tent that I actually pulled the balaclava over my eyes because it, uh, it was literally like daylight. It was quite astonishing. Anyway, I jumped out of bed at quarter past six and uh, just as it was going light, and I have to say, over the past two and a half hours, I've been enthralled with some of the light that I've been able to witness. Uh, quite astonishing. It's, it's at moments like this, really, when you, you realise just how well worth the effort is to, to get yourself out here and come and see this. The clouds just beginning to drift off the top of uh, off the fells, and you could actually name them all if you uh, were so inclined. Yeah, but uh, but the frost didn't materialise, did it? No, so. no. There was too much wind last night, and the temperature didn't drop. It did drop when the when the the uh, skies cleared, but it didn't. Uh, the wind kept up, and uh, and it didn't go down below freezing point. No, thankfully it didn't. It's so it's it actually a comfortable night. Actually, it's, it's a, what I was going to say. It's actually quite warm, isn't it? Mm. At one point, I was extremely warm, but uh, anyway, it's time to debunk and uh, put everything to bed I was pleased everything worked breakfast was fantastic and uh, now it's time to, to start the day again and thanks for your company I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this day yeah, well, I'll get home and I'll go to work <laughs> many thanks to Mark and to Dave for that it's worth mentioning that wild camping is allowed in Scotland thanks to the Scottish Outdoor Access Code which gives everybody the right to wild camp providing you follow the guidelines in England and Wales, it's a bit of a different story. It's actually completely illegal to wild camp without gaining the permission of the landowner before camping. The exception is Dartmoor, where it's allowed for up to two consecutive nights in the same spot, or longer, in a permitted camping area, except within 100 metres of a public road, or in any enclosure or other restricted area. In other parts of England and Wales, it's generally tolerated in upland and remote areas, such as the Lake District, in fact, there's a page on the Lake District National Park's website outlining what you should do in order for wild camping to be tolerated, whilst at the same time reminding us that it's completely illegal. If you'd like to find more information about wild camping, you can find out links on our blog, which you can get to by clicking through on the homepage of our website, walksroundbutton.co.uk. <laughs> Now, few people are as synonymous with walking and the outdoors on television in the UK as Julia Bradbury. From the very first Wainwright Walks series back in 2006 through to Countryfile, Julia has been at the forefront of the push to get more people outdoors. Once president of the Ramblers, she now has the same position in the Camping and Caravan Club. Julia, welcome to the podcast. So you're known to many people as a walker. Have you always been a bit of a camper too? I wouldn't describe myself as a bit of a camper, no. I'd, I'd definitely say I'm an outdoors person. And although I have, you know, I do camp and I've, I have camping experiences up my sleeve, I definitely wouldn't say that, you know, I'm your die-hardcore camper. So you're a caravan person then? 
I, I'm yes, bit of a combo for me. Over the years, my years of experience has been a, 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 a little bit of that. And I tend to be the, the kind of person that camps when they're camping. It's it's because we're doing something extreme, or you know, we're in a set, we're in a, a, an area or a place in the world where camping is the only thing that we do. So I've camped in India, and I've camped in Africa, um, and I've camped in Iceland uh, because that's what we've been doing. The kind of um, expeditions that we've been on have required camping. Okay. So I haven't done a lot of that family camping thing. But you've got all that to come now. I know, I've got all of it to come. Looking forward to it. Well, my family and I are big campers and we love to go to the camping and caravan club sites because they always seem to be quite friendly sorts of places. And also it's great to feel as safe as you can be these days that you're letting your children out running around and doing the outdoors thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, there is there is nothing like that. There's nothing like having that access. And I think the thing about doing adventure holidays, and I, I include camping in that kind of uh, category, is that you, you get to do things together that you wouldn't, normally, you wouldn't normally get to do. You get to problem solve. Um, you get to, you know, put up the tent. You get to, to cook in a different way. All of those things that you do outside of the normal boundaries of home life are, are great, I think, bonding. And it really makes the family come together too. It's so important now getting out into nature because of this growing disconnection with the outdoors that's being highlighted by people like the National Trust. Yeah, and there are, I think as well um, some other research that's been done recently by Natural England has also suggested that there are a lot of parents out there who don't know what to do with their kids in terms of uh, teaching them about the outdoors and taking them into outdoor spaces. So a lot of parents are struggling with ideas and places to go and exactly how they should be doing this with their children. So camping is one of the perfect ways to do that. I really believe being in touch with nature is important from a children's perspective because if you're looking at getting children involved in nature, getting outside is the first step. Oh, yeah, and children should know, you know, what a carrot is and they should know where the apples come from and uh, they should know about their trees and the birds and, and uh, all the invertebrates as well. It's, it's the cycle of life and it's important for everything. It's whatever you do in life, it's important to know where we come from and, and uh, uh, nature is a massive part of that. And if we as a generation don't engage young people in the outdoors, how can we expect them to be fired up to protect and conserve it in the future? And we're already running out of countryside to look after anyway. So, yeah, absolutely. So, from a walking point of view, and this question had to come, which is your favourite areas to walk in the UK? Oh, gosh, it's always very... I always feel very um, very guilty when I answer this because question. Because you can't leave someone out, can you? You can't leave, somebody, you can't leave somebody or somewhere <laughs> out. And inevitably, unfortunately, you do end up leaving somebody, uh, somebody or somewhere out. But I grew up in... I went to school in Sheffield, and I grew up absolutely loving and adoring the Peak District because... That's where my dad took me walking as a young girl and uh, after school we'd go walking together and the weekends we'd go walking together in the Peak District. So I have a real soft spot for that part of the country. Uh, I also grew up in Rutland in, in, uh, near Leicestershire and Cambridgeshire and on, that, all, on those borders, which is a much more serene landscape, I would say, not quite as rugged as the Peak District, but equally beautiful in a very different way. So that's a place that, uh, that I really uh, love and adore. And of course, I have spent an awful lot of time in the Lake District, and I think the Lake District on a world scale is absolutely phenomenal. Rutland is one of those places very few people actually know where it is, isn't it? It's like, you know, many will drive through and not even realise, but if they stop to explore, it's small but perfectly formed. Blink and you miss it. That's the problem with people driving through it. As you say, they can drive through it and not even know they've been there. It's the smallest county in uh, in England, uh, right in the middle of, of of England. When you look at the the hub of England, it's a heart shaped county right in the middle. And as you say, it's tiny weeny, but definitely perfectly formed. And Multum in Parvo 
is uh, is the the phrase of of Rutland, much in little. And the Lake District is in size. It's just the opposite. I'd love to work it out, actually. I'd like to know how many Rutlands you can fit into the, into the Lake District. I shall go away <laughs> like a shadow and I shall work that out because that will be a, uh, that'll be a good fact to have at my hands. <laughs> Two areas you know very well. Yeah. So how many days filming would you say you've spent in the Lake District over the years? Oh, goodness me, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't count. I mean, we're going, you know, we're going back over years and years and years. It would be impossible. That would like me be asking you how many times, you know, how much, how much time have you spent in your car driving to places over the years? Impossible to quantify, a lot. And of course, many people think you must live there and are constantly making more rain-like walks. People assume that they're a sort of a rolling format and that we keep making new ones. We haven't made any new ones for years. Not because I don't want to, but because of um, the ridiculous nature of television and the commissioning process which is very complicated and not as simple as as people might think you would expect that if people like the programs and they watch them in their millions and they want more that that program would get recommissioned of course you know what television is not an exact science and guess what folks that's not how it works so it's not for want of me me not trying nor wanting to do that i would love to make more walking series um but at the moment it's persuading the commissioners that that's what they must do and I suppose also there's your busy schedule that you now have away from television as well. Right now, it is very much uh, about that as well. Um, uh, I, I'm a mum, so that has added a new dimension to the diary juggling schedule. Yes, of course. Say. Yes. Uh, a, a very, a very welcome dimension, but it does make it, it does make it a, a little more tricky, and it makes time away from home much, much harder because at the moment I don't want to be away from home. Filming trips, I always find filming trips are a bit of a double-edged sword because you enjoy the work in the places that you're filming in, but you, you've got this big desire to get back home. Yeah, that's right. And it, you, right, I think it's particularly, I think, when, when the little ones are this little as well, it, it is the cliches that it flies by, and everybody I meet tells me that, but it's absolutely true, and I know it does, and I'm feeling it flying by. So I'm, I'm particularly precious about it and, and trying to hold on to every moment. I know what you mean, because every time I go away filming for Walks Around Britain, I come back and my young daughter's moved on a bit, and I think, crikey, I was only away for a week. <laughs> How did that? I've missed it. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to miss I don't want to miss the words. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss a moment. So the Wainwright programmes, were the, were the two series of that? Yes, two series. Is it two, I suppose you'd say two and a half, because if you count the beginning of the Coast to Coast, uh, which we started from the lakeside uh, for, for our uh, TV Coast to Coast programme. So that would be two and a half because we had a few extra days filming in there before we went across the rest of the country. I must say, I actually found the follow-up series more interesting than the railway walks and the canal walks. The Caledonian Canal one was a particular favourite. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah one of my favourites. It seemed to be at the time it was a, nat- a natural progression, having done the uh, having done the Wainwrights. Um, it, it seemed to be a natural progression to, to move the walks on. And as you say, we did it with canals and railways. And we also went abroad and we did South Africa walks and some German walks as well. So they really, the, the walks uh, really opened up a whole new genre. And uh, we did, we've, done, we've done more than 50 television walks, so we've done a fair few. And then there's Countryfile. Yeah, Countryfile has become, um, has become a, a massive success in its new slot, which is lovely. So it moved from having been on BBC Daytime on a Sunday morning for 20 years, five or six years ago, Matt Baker and I uh, were asked if we would come onto the programme and, and move it to its Sunday evening slot, which we were absolutely thrilled and delighted to do. And it has just gone from strength to strength as a programme. And I think um, and I think the ratings were about 8.1, 8.2 million people, which is phenomenal. 
there was as much people watching Countryfile as they as as watching any program like the X Factors or the or the Strictly Come Dancing. The rubbish on the other side. We're very very proud. No, not all <laughs> not all rubbish, but interesting. I think it's just very interesting that a program like Countryfile. Um, has uh, can now reach such a massive audience. Indeed, yes. Uh, and spe- especially looking at some of the other comparative programmes who seem to have figures in the same area. Isn't it interesting that here's a programme about our Great British countryside that is doing just as well? And if they could count the amount of dogs that watch Countryfile too. Exactly. Well, we need to... If only we could count the dogs as well. I think we... I think, I think we'd have been back into the days of the two Ronnies and we could have had <laughs> 22 million people watching. So what's on your agenda whilst you have the presidency of the Camping and Caravan Club? I think really it's just to continue spreading the message about the outdoors, to encourage families to spend this, this important time together, uh, adventuring and, and, uh, and um, enjoying the whole experience of camping. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to appeal to some of the younger generation as well and make sure that they're still engaged and care and are interested. Um, and so it's not just about, all, you know, banging the drum always about you've got to get out there and caravan, you've got to get out there and camp, which of course we want to do. But it's like this general appreciation of the outdoors and having experiences in the outdoors. However, you know, whether it, whether it be a large, big camping family holiday together for a mm. week or for more, or whether it is just an afternoon out and enjoying a beautiful, uh, a beautiful landscape, taking in that scenery. To be out camping, waking up to nature. Oh, and that, there's nothing like that. When you wake up, surrounded by nature and the first thing you hear is the bird song or the wind rustling the leaves of the trees it's absolutely magical julia thanks for coming on our podcast pleasure well that's the end of another podcast thanks for listening if you'd like to listen to the other podcasts that we have available you can find them on itunes you can also find them on audio boom and on our website, walksoverbutton.co.uk forward slash podcasts, and you'll be able to find all of them there. And if you'd like to subscribe to us on iTunes, that would be great. And we'll send you the very latest edition straight to your inbox. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media. We are at Walksbutton on Twitter. We're also on Periscope now too, so you can check us out on there. We're going to do some live broadcasting. Very exciting. Until next time, thanks for listening, and happy walking. <laughs>